Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the Armor Report. This is uh, Wednesday, uh, 12 o'clock. Thanks for being here with me. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal. This is uh, a show about stock market investing for those of you who are new. I call this the millennial stock market. After 2008, the world changed. Um, I'm reminding you about that right now as we see on TV um, the, the um uh, the grilling, if you will, of uh, CEOs from banks um, about a decade late. So kind of a waste of time and a bunch of grandstanding. But um, it does remind me, uh, and, and it's something I wanted to remind you, that the world has changed. This is the millennial stock market. This is not your dad's market. It's not your granddad's market. It's controlled by two very important new influences that change the way we invest. One, central bank's control the general direction of the stock market. It's not so much economic cycles anymore um, because you can't really predict an economic cycle when you have central banks willing to do whatever it takes to create a certain trend. And the second major influence that has completely changed the way business is done on Wall Street and how investing behaves in the short term are algorithmic investing tools. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see I just tweeted a, a retweeted a, a piece from CNBC where Ned Davis research talks about how algos have ruined day trading. There's a quote in there, J.P. Morgan estimates that 90% of all daily activity are computer-generated trades. Only 10% are executed by regular stock pickers. Okay? Those are facts. Those are numbers that are facts. That's the world we live in today. This is, quite frankly, why I started the Armour Report, to share these details with you. Armour stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. If you're not using algorithms to help you manage your risk, you are being fleeced by the market. That's our thesis. Rosenthal Capital Management uses our proprietary algorithms to help us manage our risk. And I've started this, um, these YouTube streams and our blog talk radio podcasts to help uh, expose you and share with you this type of information so that you understand the day-to-day trading activity and how it's affecting you and how best to manage the risk. I offer to you as a major tool our website, RosenthalCapital.com. Now on the home page, we have two panels for you. One's called our risk, our real-time risk monitor, where we tell you what are five algorithms designed for the specific volatility of each of the top five indexes that we use to drive our risk profile and how we want to add or subtract risk to protect capital or to uh, capture upside when the opportunity is there. You'll see right now that we have risk on across the board. And we started that two weeks ago. Led by the Dow, the small caps, and our favorite uh, IBD50 uh, ETF 
FFTY. And then right below that, we have three model portfolios that we manage at Interactive Brokers. All of our clients are linked to one of those three approaches, conservative, balanced, or aggressive. They're all driven from a risk standpoint by these algorithms. And then we do our fundamental research. Hey, this, there is still a lot of room over a longer term period of time for investors to get edge. That's what I share with you a lot during these calls. For instance, the cannabis space. We think, as you all know, because you've been watching this, um, we think the cannabis space is the single best investing theme that we're, that we're staring at right now for the next three to five to 10 years, maybe beyond. We are at the very beginning of an investing super cycle in cannabis. You know, I've been talking about that ad nauseum. So how do we use these algorithms? Well, when we're risk on everywhere, we're willing to take more risk in our favorite themes. And if we're risk off everywhere, then we cut the positions down just to the core to protect assets and look to reestablish a bigger position at lower prices. Okay. So, um, Today, I'm going to share with you again what our big algorithms are talking about and what it tells us about market direction. Then we're going to drill down and um, I'm, going to, I'm going to share with you, I titled this, you know, uh, Rules of the Road. Every now and then I, I do a piece for you about um, rules of the road when it comes to investing, kind of investing 101. I have a blog post up um, in our algorithmic research section on our website called Investing Rules of the Road. And it explains simply, don't forget, guys, this is a live trading desk. So um, I've got screens all around me and I've got phones sometimes ringing. So forgive me. Um, I come at you live because I think it's um, invigorating to share this information during the trading session. But sometimes it, uh, we get interrupted. Okay. On the website, I've put together this list for you of investing rules of the road. I strongly suggest you review it. Um, from time to time to remember um, how best to commit capital on a short and a longer term basis. Today, I'm going to go over rule number 10. Um, and then I'll finish up with just a, you know, a kind of a grab bag, a couple of ideas. Um, Levi Strauss announced earnings last night. I'm going to go over that for a little bit. And um, another U.S.-based cannabis retailer announced earnings last night. I'm going to discuss uh, that a little bit. So let's jump into it. Um, step one is every day for us to look at the algorithms. I start there with you on these streams and podcasts because it's what we do on our own trading desk. I'm sharing information with you exactly how I manage capital. So I start by looking at the big indexes, what our algorithms tell us about risk, where our stops are, where our targets are, and then I get into the fundamental side of building positions and looking at themes and doing research and analysis. Um, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, we're risk on everywhere. So whatever that means for you, I am not your advisor. I am a financial advisor. I can help you if you want, but I don't know you. So I can't possibly tell you how to put capital to work. This is an educational podcast and a live stream. I do it when I say we're risk on or risk off. We even have three different types of portfolios, conservative, aggressive, and balanced in the middle. What does that mean? 
We own the same assets in those three portfolios, but we're willing to put more capital at risk or less depending on how conservative or aggressive we want to be. So for you, I'm just trying to help you understand what algorithmic investing means and how we can use a rules-based strategy that's based on probabilities and statistics and reward versus risk, getting on the right side of those equations when we're putting capital to work. So when I say we're risk on everywhere, what it generally means is if you've got a whiteboard of your favorite names, you can see that in the back there. There's our whiteboard, okay? And we've got all of our favorite investment themes up there and individual stocks that we're doing research on in different stages of research. And if we've gotten to the point where we're through the stages and we want to own the stocks and our big algorithms tell us put capital to work, it's okay to put risk on. We go to our favorite positions and we start putting capital to work using, uh, in our case, algorithms that are designed for single stocks, right? Or for groups, ETFs, that type of thing. So I hope I hope I could share with you what we're doing and then you could say, okay, well, maybe I can um, um, use that as a guide to protecting my capital or capturing upside if necessary, if, if possible. Um, so anyway, everything still looks great. You know, you're still going to have a couple of down days here and there in the market. You have to, but those are healthy. And right now, all the indexes are in a basic uptrend with the leadership sectors in the market blowing out. I mean, some stocks are just, you know, blowing out. So, you know, if, if there's trouble on the, on, in the uptrend, you generally start to see the leadership lag or rollover break down, or you'll see these indexes challenge stops. And, and they're not doing any of that. They're not even close to that. In fact, every time we have sell-off days, they're very mild, very mild so far. So risk on is still um, the call of the day on our trading desk. And so we're continuing to um, readjust our portfolio accordingly and add and subtract names where we see, uh, um, we see opportunity. But this does lead into what rule number 10 is. Because yesterday was a big down day, the day before the market was down. When I say big down day. I mean, what, the market was down half a percent. That's not really big. That's my point. I mean, we're kind of in a really nice uptrend. But for a couple of days, the market sold off and everyone, everyone on CNBC likes to get uh, excited that maybe this is the beginning of the end. And I, I have Twitter feeds that I've curated of a bunch of, of different um, uh, um, research analysts and um, you know, other investing pundits that I think are um, that have merit. You can find that, by the way, on Twitter. You can go to my Twitter feed uh, at Brett Rosenthal, and there's what I call top shelf tweets, top shelf um, a hockey reference. You know, where mom keeps the cookies, and uh, and and so I see a lot of guys in there. I don't always agree with them, but I try to curate a list of of guys that are that that keep me even keel like some are very bullish some are very bearish and i'd like to see what they're all thinking and of course the bearish guys come out of the woodworks the minute the market starts to sell off a little bit but in reality a down day is is necessary in an uptrend a couple down days necessary in an uptrend shake out the weak holders set up for the next move higher um so rule number 10 and you can see this. I posted it for you. 
Rule number 10, there will always be days when you're risk on and you're fully invested, when the portfolio will experience what I call a red screen, like just everything's down across the board. These things happen in an uptrend. And the best thing for you to do on those days is just step away from your screen. And remember that Rome wasn't built in a day. You've got an investment thesis. You're putting your pieces together. It takes time to grow. A lot of the times you're so focused on the day-to-day trading and in an algo-driven world where 90% of the trades are designed by algos to take advantage of your fear, greed responses, you can get thrown off your game when the market sells off for a couple days. Don't let that happen. Just step away. Step away. Take a break. One day is not going to kill you. Go play some golf. Reassess. It's always better to reassess at the end of a week. Weekly trading and weekly ticks are much more important for a long-term investor than daily trading activity, particularly in a world where algorithms are designed to take advantage of your fear and your greed. Okay? As John C. Riley says from my favorite, one of my favorite movies, Cedar Rapids, I got tiger scratches up and down my back from 30 years in this business. And I can teach you and help you understand how to dance with the tiger. Dance with the tiger. Okay? And one way to do it is not be thrown off your game because there's a couple down days in the market. And use algorithms to help you add and subtract risk. Because they're rules-based. They're not emotion-based. And that's why over time, they'll improve your investing performance. Because they'll help you get on the right side of probabilities and statistics. You'll put capital to, to work when rewards at its greatest versus the risk you're taking. And over time, that'll improve your experience. It doesn't improve it immediately, overnight. If it did, that would just be luck because this is statistical probabilities we're talking about. Okay? You're going to put 10 trades on. You might lose money on the first three. Does that mean it's wrong? No, statistically speaking, you might lose money three out of 10 times, and they usually come in bunches. You keep executing using a rules-based strategy, and the probabilities statistics work in your favor over time. That's what we're doing on our desk. Okay. Um, before I get to just a couple comments on these individual stocks, I do have to just, and forgive me for saying this, but I just got to get it out. So thanks for listening. Um, you've got the bank management teams, bank CEOs on Capitol Hill today. It's a complete joke. It's a farce. Okay. I just got to put my two cents in here so you all understand what's going on. It's a bunch of congressmen, congresswomen trying to act smart, trying to make comments, but everybody's really ignoring the elephant in the room. And I, it's so hard to watch these things because I wish the CEOs of these banks would say this, but oh my God, would there be such blowback for saying something honest? Um, they'd be roasted for being honest. 
Um, they be branded as elitists for being honest that they don't say anything and they just, you know, they just, I guess they try to get out of there as fast as possible. But I'm going to say it here on this YouTube call, okay, this podcast. Banks are not the bad guys. Banks, banks offer liquidity, which is a lubrication of the, of the economy, which drives jobs, drives everything. So going out there and attacking bank CEOs is pointless. A socialist government privatizing the banks leads to a collapsing economy. Just do some research, guys. I'm, maybe I'm preaching to the choir here. I don't know. But just go look at history. And if we're looking at history, let me just say one thing here, and I'll get off this topic. Banks got into this mess leading up to 2008. Because in the 1990s, government passed legislation forcing banks to lend to people who were terrible risks. I'm not being elitist. This is just a fact. If someone does not have a job and can't service the debt, you can't lend them money to buy a house. Everybody owning a house was not a right in this country from the Constitution. It's earned. It's because you bust your ass every day and you bring in cash and you have a job. And then you go to the bank and get a loan because you could service the debt. But this is a perfect example of government screwing up a market. Government stepped in in the 90s, passed legislation to force banks to loan to people who could not pay back the loans. Wall Street helped the politicians. Wall Street figured out a way to float that debt, wrap it up with a bunch of other good debt, and sell it. Collateralized debt obligations. Obviously, Wall Street went too far. I'm not letting Wall Street off the hook, right? They sold too much of that junk. But at the same time, the banks were forced to create the junk by politicians. The same type of politicians and probably some of the same politicians that are right now talking to the CEOs of these banks and acting as if they're all high and mighty. It's a joke. All right, enough said. Thanks for listening. Really gets me worked up. Banks definitely had a hand in the financial crisis. But that hand was hand in hand with politicians pushing ridiculous legislation that led to excesses. Let's just call it what it is. All right, um, Levi. So, look, I don't usually invest in um, retail stocks, okay? Um, when we invest on our trading desk, when we spend our time doing research, like this is all opportunity cost of money, right? Where can we put our capital? And I always preach to you that I want to put the capital where we see the highest 
reward for the risk we're taking. So I generally stay away from retail um, when it comes to clothing retailers and, and the like. I'm looking for businesses with high barriers to entry with explosive growth. But just for the fun of it, I had to buy shares of Levi when the stock came public. And I think I shared this with you. My son's name is Levi. He's five years old. He wants to get into the family business. He's a very, very business-oriented little kid. Um, he amazes me every day. And, uh, and so he's, you know, frequently in my office seeing what I'm doing, and he wanted to participate. And I said, okay, why don't we buy shares of Levi? So we bought LEVI. Um, as it turns out, I think the business model is a real winner. And today, of course, they had earnings announced this morning. The stock is up about 6% right now. Um, it does look like Levi's is an interesting global expansion story. They have a lot of opportunity to grow in China. So this may end up being a great China bump if we ever have a China trade deal that clears the path for U.S. corporations, because they're beginning to really expand there. They just hired a new management team in China, Chinese ladies. So um, there's a lot of interesting things going on at this company. But I just thought I'd let you know that I, I don't usually invest in these things. I literally just bought it because the symbol was the name of my son. All right. So um, this is not something I'm doing for investors. It's just my own personal capital that I've taken a small piece and put it away because my son wanted to do it and I've done it. But it does look like the earnings announcement was phenomenal. So there might be a real winner there. That'll be fun to watch. It's going to pay for his college education. <laughs> we'll see. Um, okay. Probably more importantly, you know that we follow uh, the U.S.-based cannabis companies. I've been pounding the table um, um, literally and figuratively on the value proposition of owning these companies. Uh, right now. I think I walked you through a meeting we had last week with one of these companies. We went to one dispensary, sat down with the manager of that dispensary and broke out the numbers. It's astronomical growth. And nobody can get into the business except for U.S.-based cannabis retailers right now who are grabbing all the licenses because of the legal situation. And until that legal situation changes, these companies are just making a uh, creating a moat around their business, collecting as much, um, uh, um, whether it be licenses or people or what, ha or what have you, real estate, setting up shop, and really building value. And so one of those companies that we own is Green Thumb. Uh, GTII is the symbol on the uh, Canadian Stock Exchange. They had a great earnings announcement last night, another blowout quarter. I'm going to give a shout out to a great website right now for you guys to use to do some research. Um, New Cannabis Ventures. New Cannabis Ventures. Love the website. It ranks all of these companies based on, um, there's one, there's a ranking tab you can click on, and it ranks them based on uh, revenue. And um, I think they just updated. Uh, yeah, 20.8 uh, million last quarter. Um, for Green Thumb, it ranks them one, two, three, four. They're ranked number six on the list. Um, so it's a real company, a real entity. I like the business. I like the earnings announcement. I was you know, speaking with management, um, listening to what they had to say uh, about their growth. And um, it's certainly a piece of the puzzle. 
You know, we're we're putting together a portfolio of all of our favorite retail U.S. cannabis retail companies, and this is one of them. The quarter was great. I strongly suggest that you do your own research. Right? This is just educational purposes. I'm not telling you to run out and buy it. But what I would say is go cover the call. You can do it as an individual investor. You don't need a brokerage firm to write a recommendation. Go to the website, click on the um, uh, quarterly earnings uh, um, conference call, and, and listen to it. Listen to what they're saying. Make your own conclusions. Okay? But it's certainly one on our list. All right, guys, listen, thanks for listening today. Um, thanks for being here when you're, you know, when I, when I share these ideas, your, your presence helps me manage money correctly, keeps me honest. So I appreciate that. And I'll look forward to talking to you guys again, probably Friday. So I'm going to be out of the office um, probably at a meeting tomorrow. So Friday, I'll be back out here at uh, 12 o'clock to wrap up the week. Take care, guys.